Well, please open your Bibles to Genesis 39. Genesis chapter 39. Two weeks ago, we studied chapter 38, and we saw where the story had diverted from Joseph to his brother Judah. And we started to, we talked for uh, one Sunday there about Judah. Judah um, was an example to us of a man that lived a life shunning his Savior. We talked about how, you know, Joseph eventually, we'll see as we go on in our study here, Joseph eventually will be the one that's going to help his family and help uh, all the countries of the world during a famine. So I, I, I kind of liken that in a physical sense to Joseph being a, a savior from a physical sense. And uh, all of a sudden we saw the story switch in chapter 38 to talk about this man Judah and how he lived his life and kind of the mess that he made of his life, the dysfunction that his life was. But this morning we're going to get back on track and we're going to talk about the story of Joseph again. He has been hated by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold into slavery. And picking it up now in verse 1 of chapter 39, here it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, verse 2 there is very actually, to me, very counterintuitive verse of Scripture. It really goes against um, what we would consider as common sense, I think. Here's why I say that. Because Joseph has been treated so poorly by his brothers. He's been cast into a pit, like I said, sold to some passers-by as a slave, and then sold again to a man in Egypt. And after all of this, we read there in, in the verse that the Lord was with Joseph. Do we not most often have the attitude today that when things aren't going well for us, that somehow someone or everything is against us? Sometimes we fall into that trap, right? People call it bad luck. Or they may even feel that they are cursed and they get depressed because bad things are always happening to them in life, right? But I often try to remind us all on Sunday mornings of something that I quote a lot from Isaiah 55, that our thoughts are not the Lord's thoughts, that our ways are not His ways, that His ways are much higher than ours, His thoughts much higher than ours. His vantage point on things is exalted, far more superior than ours. And since this this is the case, we can trust Him, we can rest in Him, no matter the circumstances of our lives, no matter how things are going, no matter how bad things may seem to get. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, he understood this fact when he said that if God is for us, who can be against us? And he said that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. He said all things work together for good. 
But you know something else that is also very counterintuitive from a scriptural sense, right, is this doctrine today, and, and this is where I think many people allow themselves to fall into depression. They think that we live in a world where everything is supposed to be good or everything can be good, or everything is supposed to come up roses, you know, as if that can happen. But there's been a doctrine today that has even crept in Christianity, and that's a doctrine that teaches that we're always supposed to be prosperous, always having good come our way, always happy, always having a smile on our face. But how do you think Joseph felt here when his brothers were tearing off his coat of many colors that his father had made for him? How do you think he felt when they were casting him into a pit and selling him into slavery? What do you think the expression on the face of the Apostle Paul was when he was actually literally stoned to death? John the Baptist was imprisoned and then he was beheaded. And many martyrs for Christ, were they thinking that this was all well and good? Were they smiling? Were they happy about this? Were they reading books back then on how to make friends and influence people, right? These are the doctrines of men, not the doctrines of Scripture, right? When with Joseph here, things did indeed work out for good, but we've got to look at these Scriptures from a reality standpoint and say, this, it wasn't all good for Joseph while he's going through this, but God works it out for good. So in our lives today, it's not always good, but God is good, even when things are bad, even when we don't understand why life is going the way it is or why circumstances are the way they are. God is still God. God is on the throne, okay? So in Joseph here, right, or verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So you can say there from that standpoint, it indeed did work out good for Joseph. But I'm sure it's not the way that he thought his life would pan out. How many of us would be happy to know that our lives will work out good, but first we will have to lose all that is dear to us, right? Do you want to lose your income tomorrow? Do you want to lose your home? Do you want to lose contact with those people that you love the most? Well, this is how it all worked out good for Joseph, right? This is what good looked like in his life. This is what God, whose thoughts are much higher than our, our thoughts, right? This is what he thought was good for Joseph because it was God's will that was going to be done. And when, when we think about God, and when we study about God like this, we must remember that He is God, that He is Lord, that He is above all, and that we are His servants, and we are to surrender our lives to His will being done. He absolutely knows what is best for us, and don't under, misunderstand me this morning. He absolutely wants what is best for us, but it's not to be accomplished by our will being done. It is to be accomplished by His will being done in our lives. And that's the difference between the doctrine that we see in scriptures and the doctrines of men and women today. Again, I believe that it leads people to depression when they think everyone else has it good. Or although there's that group over there and they're prosperous and 
They say they're prosperous because of God. Well, where's God in my life then? If you're prosperous and you have this good and you have, you know, I don't, when I talk about prosperous, I'm not talking about just financially, right? I'm talking about just good things are happening. Look at their marriage. It seems so good. Look at that family. Look at that. Look at that, right? And when we teach a doctrine, it says, well, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's how God is. But when you go to scriptures, you find out, no, that's not the reality of life. In scriptures, we see people like Joseph, who has to get beat up in life, who has to get cast down. But ultimately, God works it out for good. And it's God that we trust in, not our circumstances, right? In this life, it does not always come up roses, right? So very often, it's thorns that dominate our lives. But as was the case with Joseph, God is with us, right? And we can trust Him. And, but we first have to surrender our lives to His will being done and not our will being done. Because maybe God needs you somewhere, right? Because of your personality, because of your talents. Maybe God needs you in a certain place amongst a certain people because He is going to use you for one reason or another in that place, right? And what if while in that place, you will be unhappy for a period of time? Are you willing to serve God in that way if it makes you unhappy? If where you have to go every day doesn't put a smile on your face, but it's God's will that you're there and that He's going to use you, right? We will see that Joseph will end up in prison in Egypt, but all the while, God was with him. God his will was still being done. So the question, one of the questions I have today is, are you willing to let go of your dreams to have God's will being done? Remember, Joseph had dreams, dreams where he was in charge. He was the, the big man in his own dreams, right? But the road that led him to where he was going was not a road filled with smiles and laughter and prosperity. It didn't work out for like that. It was a road of slavery. It was a road of hardship. It was a road of tears. But God was with him. Again, I know that what I'm speaking to you here is kind of counterintuitive to even what we see being taught today in many Christian churches, right? Where it's taught that every day is a good day, right? But we must look to the teachings of the Bible to find the truth, not the teachings of men and women. We must look to the Word of God to find God's will for our lives, right? So Joseph is far from his family now, not really where he wants to be, but God is with him. And then verse 4 says, so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him, right? This is speaking of his master. He's serving his master, the one that bought him here, right? And verse four continues and says, then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Okay, now look, I know I'm really belaboring this point with you today because, again, there is so much false doctrine taught out there amongst men and women today that it's important that we really see what the Scriptures portray to us. Joseph here 
is now overseer in this Egyptian man's house, right? He is overseer of all that this man owns. And the Lord is blessing this man's house for Joseph's sake. But to get where Joseph is right now, he had to go into a direction where he didn't want to go. Again, hated by his brothers, cast into a pit, sold into slavery. And now he is in a good position. But do you think that Joseph really wants to be there? Really wanted to be where he was? Do you think that he would rather be free and be back home with his dad? Of course he would. But God's plan for him was for him to be his servant, God's servant in a foreign land, in a different place. You see, Joseph in reality is not this Egyptian's man's servant. Joseph in reality is God's servant. And as we walk through life, if we walk through this life, realizing that, that we are the Lord's servant, right? When we go to our jobs and if we hate our jobs or whatever we do, or we're in a circumstance, we're in a situation where we don't want to be, we say, Lord, this is your will. Let me do your will here. Let, let your will be done in my life. You know, let me serve you here. Why do you have me here, Lord? Is there somebody I can, can, can talk to for you? Is there something I can do for you while you have me here, right? Joseph and God's plan was not to be around his family. He was to be where God needed him to be, where God needed to use him. You see, we are not to imagine in our own heads, the life that we think is the best. But most often, that's what all of us do. We plan our own lives in our heads. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work for this. And I'm going to have this. And I'm going to retire then. And all of this, right? That's what we do. And that's kind of what everyone around us does. And that seems to be the norm, right? Where we make our own bucket list. And we chase after our own dreams, And then we keep the Lord off to the side as a genie in a bottle that gives us what we desire. Okay, Lord, I have three wishes. Will you grant me these wishes, Lord? And then we get mad. Lord, it's not working out for me. I'm not getting what I want. Well, it's never supposed to be about what we want. It's supposed to be about what His will is, right? That's the teaching of the Word of God. The teaching of the Word of God is that we decrease and that He increases, We humble ourselves, and He is exalted. We don't seek our will, but we seek His will. So we read these verses here, and we picture it as all good for Joseph, but I'm sure that Joseph would have rather been with his family, his own people, rather than to be a slave amongst other people. Verse 6, thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. So his Egyptian master left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Okay? And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now pause right there because that just shows how much favor God has given Joseph here in this situation. His master so entrusted Joseph that he had no clue of what he even owned. He just said, yeah, whatever you say, Joseph, it's all, it's all in your hands. So... So we, again, we get a picture here of it all being good for Joseph, but circumstances are now about to change for Joseph. And verse 6 continues and says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. 
And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Okay, so going back to the end of verse 6 here, what got Joseph into this predicament, right? It was his good looks, okay? He can't catch a break in this life, can he? His father loved him above all of his brothers. You remember that about Joseph? His father loved him above all his brothers and made a special coat for him to wear. This wasn't his fault, right? Was it? No, his, his, his brothers hated him, though. He had some dreams, and then he shared those dreams with his brother, with his family, right? And they hated him all the more. And his dad even rebuked him for those dreams. But this wasn't his fault either, right? He was good looking, so this lustful woman came after him. He just can't catch a break, right? He could be saying here, why me, God? Why me? Why is all this happening to me? Where are you, God, in all of this? Why should I believe in you in all of this when all of this is happening in my life? But God is indeed in control, isn't he? Even when all is not well, the Lord God is on the throne. And if you are committed to his will being done, then all things will indeed work together for good. Notice what Joseph did here. He resisted it. He did what was righteous. He did what was right, okay? But he still could have been crying out saying, why, God, why does these things keep happening to me? I didn't make my own looks. I didn't do this and cause for all this to happen, right? So now Joseph finds himself with this problem and he operates again in his integrity and he tries his best to walk away from this opportunity for sin. And verse 11 says, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men were, none of the men of the house were in, was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Now let's pause right there because there's something for us to learn in these verses here. Verse 11. It says that Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. So Joseph had to be where he was at this time of the day. He had a job to do. But the problem we see here is that no other worker was going to be in the house. No one else was in the house. And what we can learn from this is that we need to stay on guard as to the circumstances that we allow for ourselves to be in or to get caught up in. Joseph knows that this woman is after him, so he should have been on guard here. He was now going to be in the home alone with her, and this will not turn out good for Joseph. So we too need to stay on guard in our lives. We are servants of 
the Lord God. And our decisions need to reflect this fact, right? A couple of times in the New Testament, in 2 Timothy 2 and in 1 Corinthians 6, we are told to flee from sin. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 tells us to abstain from all appearances of evil. If it even looks wrong, avoid it. Stay away from there. Right? So if you find yourself in a situation where there is a potential to sin, then flee from it. Get away from it as fast as you can. Joseph here, right? He did get away. We'll see. He took off, right? We know he, he took off running, right? But he could have done something else. And that's what I'm just kind of drawing out of this, that he could have made sure that there were other people in the house, that there were other workers in the house before he went in because he knew the situation with this woman. So he could have made it so that he wasn't alone with there, right? And if the job absolutely had to be done right at that time, he could have took someone else with him or even went to his master and explained to his master that, hey, uh, your wife's home alone. I'm not going in there. I don't want to be there. What would the master have said? Oh, that's great. I respect you for that. That's good, right? So there's always a way to avoid sin, but we need to stay on guard as to what we allow ourselves to do. The lust of the eye, right? We need to turn our head away from it, right? If, if the internet causes this kind of problem, then don't have it. Don't, don't put yourself alone with it, right? The lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 says that if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, we're to be, you hear me talk about that all the time. We're to be spiritually minded people. That's why I'm teaching you this, that we stay on guard. We, we, we note our circumstances and we say, I'm not going there. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to put myself in that situations. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 in the New Testament says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on that. Think on those things. So the Bible actually tells us what to think on and where our mind should be directed toward, right? But we all have in this life and in this world we live in a battle to fight. It's the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, right? That's what the Bible describes, those three things, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We have to battle against all these things, right? But, but our minds should be focused on and meditating on the virtuous things, the good things, the pure things, right? We, we, there, there are times that we have to say, I'm just not going to go there. I'm just not going to do that. I'm just not going to watch that, right? Because... Any one of us can sin at any time. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us to beware when you think you stand, lest you fall. Okay. Now, I know that we've looked at this verse in recent weeks, but I want you to go ahead and turn again to the book of Romans chapter 12. It's in the New Testament. You'll find it after the book of Acts. Romans chapter 12. I really believe that these um, two verses of Scripture 
that we're going to read here this morning are so very important in our lives. And I, like I said, I have covered it in recent weeks. But if we're really going to be servants of the Lord, these scriptures are, are very important to us. So Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, there where it says, I beseech you, that's a word that expresses, I'm pleading with you, do this. You've got to do this. You've got to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is so very important for us to understand. You can't keep your mind on this world and expect to be spiritually minded. You can't keep focusing on all the things of the world and allowing yourself, your eyes to go here and there and get involved in all this stuff in this world and expect to be hearing from the Lord. Expect to be spiritually minded. We need to give our all to God, right? That is our reasonable servant, our, our reasonable service because we are His servants and He is God above all. And we need to shun the sin that this world offers us, flee from it, turn our eyes, turn our ears, take our bodies away from it, and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Right? That when we turn from these things, our minds will be transformed. Do you ever stop and from a spiritual standpoint consider the movies that you watch or the TV shows and what they may be teaching you? and what they may be putting into your head? Do you ever have any type of filter that guards it and says, oh no, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to allow it, because that causes me the lust. That causes this in my mind, or whatever it may be, or it causes me to desire this or that. What about the music that you listen to? Do you ever take time to listen to what the words may be teaching you, and how they may be directing your life? Again, do you ever hold it up to a filter? Which the filter is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, which I just read to you guys. Whatsoever things are good and pure and lovely of good report, think on these things. So hold that up when you go see, is it pure? When I'm seeing this movie, is it pure? Is there sex outside of marriage in this? What's going on in this movie? What, what, what am I watching? All of this stuff. There, there needs to be something that filters it. If you want to be spiritually minded, if you want to hear from the Lord and you want to walk with the Lord and, and serve Him in that way and be His servant, right? We need to flee from things, right? We, and not just conform to this world. We need to stay on guard. And that's what I'm pointing out when I said that Joseph had an opportunity. We see there in scriptures, it says no one else was in the house. It's just her and him now at this point. So he was in a bad situation at that point. So as we turn back to Genesis 39 now, again, the situation wasn't right and Joseph should not have entered the house and been alone there with this woman. In verse 12, Joseph was now, in a sense you could say in verse 12 there, he was now in the grips of her lust. And that's what sin will do to us. 
sin will grab onto us and place us in its grips and try to lead us to destruction or to doing something wrong, right? But Joseph fought this temptation and he fled from it. In verse 13, and so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. Now, as you see that word mock there used a couple of times in these verses, that is a Hebrew word, sahak. And it's a word that means to laugh, to play, to jest. In our language today, we might use the words fool around. That's what that word takes on that meaning, fool around. And this is what this woman is claiming here, that Joseph wanted to fool around with her. But she's a liar, right? And there are evil-hearted people on this earth today that are liars in the same manner, right? In their bitter, envious, lustful, wicked hearts, they want their way. And if they don't get what they want, then they'll cheat and they'll steal. They'll do whatever just for their satisfaction, okay? There are people like that in this world. But Joseph here has come upon hard times again now, right? It seems as if his life is just constantly going from the frying pan to the fire, as they say. And verse 19 continues, So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. So there's always someone that will believe what a liar has to say. There are people that just buy into gossip. Right? The lies of others, rather than seeking to find out what the real truth of the matter is. This is why the scriptures teach us that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word should be established. Okay? Don't just believe the gossip of other people. Have some integrity about yourself and seek to find out the truth before you make a judgment about someone else just because you heard one other person say it. Talk to that person yourself. Right? Consider and consider the source. Is the person telling you something, a gossip and a liar all the time? Right? Check into it. Look, look deeper into it. Here this lustful, adulterous, lying woman is about to have uh, one man of integrity's life destroyed. That's what she's doing. Verse 20 continues. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. Now the king's prison would be the equivalent today to a federal prison. Okay, So this is a high security prison for Joseph. And might I add, he's just an innocent man. What did he do? And now he's in this high security prison. But look, verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So 
wow, right? Thank you, Lord, for being with me, right? This is what I'm kind of saying this facetiously, you know? Joseph goes saying, wow, Lord, you're with me. Here I am in jail, right? And people get that attitude today. Well, thank you, Lord, for being with me, but where were you, Lord, yesterday? Where were you when this woman had me in her grips? Where were you when she lied about me, God? Where were you, Lord, when my sister died, when my dad died of cancer, when my house burned down, when I lost my job, when that child died, when all of those children in Africa are starving? Where are you, Lord? Right? I'll tell you something, folks. This, This is not, our best life is not now. We are not home yet. Jesus promised us that in this world, we have tribulation. There is death in this world. There is sickness in this world. There are gossips and liars, right? But God is the one in whom we are to place our trust in. And He has prepared a place that is out of this world. Both figuratively and literally, there's a place for us, prepared for us, that's not here. Okay? The people of God in the times of Genesis, the Israelites, they, had a, they still had a promised land in front of them. We haven't gotten that far in the story yet as we've been studying so far. But there is a land awaiting these people. And for you and me today who have committed our lives to Jesus as his followers, there is a homeland awaiting for us as well. And this world is in it. And in this world we have tribulation. And in this world, all these bad things happen. But God is with us. God is for us. God has mercy on us. And his plan is not yet complete. Joseph would save his family and the family of Israel from famine. They would live on and their people will go on to the promised land. We will see that as we keep reading. Today, we know that we have a Savior. And that one day, he's going to take us to the promised land. And no matter the circumstances of this life, He is with us. And He is in us. And we just need to keep on keeping on by faith. God is for us. God is with us. But we live in a bad world, a fallen world, where sin rules and reigns. Okay, We have to fight the fight of faith. But we are people of faith, not people of this world. We need to turn our eyes on Jesus more and more on a daily basis. And that's why I stress to you, like I have in this teaching today, be careful what you put your eyes on. Because it might lead you away from knowing the Lord more. Because you get focused on something else. And you find you're more focused on your bank account than you are the Lord. You're more focused on your job than you are the Lord. You're more focused on anything else that you might put there than you are the Lord. But He's our Master. And we serve him. And we should live a life that, like Joseph said here, I'm not going to do this against my master. You are my master's wife. I'm not doing this. I'm out of here. Right? And when we serve our master, the Lord, we should say, I'm not going to do this against you. Joseph even called it a sin against God if he did it. Right? And that's how we need to serve the Lord today. To say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to allow my eyes to see this. To hear that. Whatever it might be. Verse 22, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, and the Lord made it prosper. 
So look, folks, no matter how bleak your circumstances may become, the Lord God is good and He is on the throne. When it comes to peaks and valleys in this life, uh, we seem to always want the peaks. We don't want anything to do with the valleys. But you know, fruit doesn't grow on the mountaintops. You ever think about that? Fruit grows in the valleys. Okay? And in order for us to be fruitful in this life, we need to experience the valleys that this life gives us because we persevere, we get stronger through it, right? If you have mountaintop experiences, thank God for it. But beware when you think you stand, right? And when the valleys of this life come, we're to count it all joy because again, it's going to produce something good in us. Our thoughts are not His thoughts. Our ways are not His ways. His ways are much higher than ours. He knows what He is doing and He is above all else and He has our best interests at heart and we just need to focus more and more on God, trusting more and more in Him. Focus less and less on the things of this world. Sure, there are things that, that come about and we've got to deal with them. You know, we got to deal with situations and we got to deal with circumstances, but we, do, we can do so through seeking counsel, godly counsel. We can do so through, through prayer and fight the battle in a spiritual sense and not in a physical sense, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your holy word, God, your living word. Lord, there's something to learn in, in, in every page. Thank you that you have not left us comfortless and alone. You have given us of your Holy Spirit. You have sealed us with your Spirit. Lord, it is your Spirit who teaches us, who comforts and counsels us, leads and guides us through this life, Lord. So we thank you for your presence within our hearts and your presence amongst us today. We just acknowledge you in our path and in the week to come, we acknowledge you. And we pray above all else, Lord, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.